where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Friends, I can count on one hand the Sunday mornings where I have felt the weight and gravity of world situations as I do today. And even though I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, I'm just going to be explicit. You know, we are all living with this new coronavirus pandemic, a novel coronavirus, with unprecedented numbers of deaths, unprecedented numbers of joblessness, and uncertainty for so many. So we take that new coronavirus pandemic and now we have another layer that's not new, in fact, it's ancient. It's a long-standing virus of white supremacy, potently displayed in the murder and public execution of George Floyd. And I also want to acknowledge that some of you are dealing with challenging health situations, preparing for or recovering from surgery, that you are perhaps named in the joblessness or in the illness of the virus. There's a lot that will not be said this morning, but I'm hopeful that we will say enough to underscore the need for this community to take, act, to take the restorative and redemptive work of anti-racism seriously. And as part of that, in June, on Wednesdays at 11 o'clock a.m. and 7 o'clock p.m., we will be gathering via Zoom to listen to and learn from black and brown voices and to help us dismantle the white supremacy that our lives have been steeped in and that we live in and that we move in and that we have even come to define our own being in. So that is upcoming and there will be an all church email sent out uh, with links and a little bit more explanation about that format. But for now, as I often do, I wanna just go back to the beginning to the older of the two creation narratives that are found in the book of Genesis. A time when there was no plant of the field on the earth, no herb of the field had sprung up. And we hear about God forming humans from the dust of the ground. I've used this scripture countless times at graveside services. And I envision, I envision and imagine God kneeling down, picking up the dirt, forming each and every life, and breathing that intimate breath of life into the nostrils. And as I kneel this day and 
reclaim this posture of true humility, of contact with the earth. I remember George Floyd. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and lead us in the ways of everlasting life. In this posture, it's easy to remember that each life is precious in the sight of God, that each life is blessed with the breath of God. And while we still have breath, we must recognize the discomfort of these days as invitations to healing and wholeness and the work of restoration and redemption. One God, one breath, one people. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with your breath, fill us with your life, that all may be one. If you are a regular participant in this community Zoom worship, there's a good chance that this morning's scripture lesson will sound familiar. We use the same lesson on April 19th, which was the Sunday after Easter. It's a twofer. It's resurrection and Pentecost all wrapped up in one. Resurrection being an experience of Jesus after the crucifixion, and Pentecost being an experience of the Holy Spirit being given to the beloved community. The institution of church made a clear delineation between resurrection and Pentecost, which is celebrated 49 days after Easter. But our lesson makes it clear that in this community known to us as John, or the Gospel of John, the experiences were simultaneous. Listen for yourself, beginning with the 20th chapter, the 19th verse. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. A few things that were a little bit different than the Sunday after Easter. I'm still always struck by the fact that they were in a locked room, sheltered in place as it was, out of fear. But the fear feels different this morning or sounds different to me because the fear that they were experiencing means that the public execution of Jesus seemed to have led to the desired outcome. You see, that very public demonstration of crucifixion was intended to be an act of domination and intimidation. It was intended to prevent an uprising. It was intended to ensure that power and authority were held by a few while the vast majority of people remained in their lesser than place in service to the empire. Into this space, Jesus makes an appearance. 
he shows them his hands and his side, still bearing the marks of the empire, which in this instance were nails and a sword piercing in his side. Marks of the empire can change with time, and they do change with time. But there are marks, even though much seems invisible. I'm aware that Parker is standing beside me because there was going to be a piece of music after the scripture. But I think we're just going to let that go for now. Um, Because I'm in it. And if you're following along with me, I think the scripture, uh, the music that was intended to follow will move us away at this point. So we're talking about the marks of the empire changing with time, but, but still being very much present. The distortion of white supremacy has been poured into the foundation and baked into the walls and halls of this country for 400 years. The marks of the empire are only visible to those who look and listen closely, if we are not, in fact, living it as a black and brown skinned person, only visible to those who think from the perspective of the margins. One of the questions that must be asked is, how do we dismantle the walkways and unbake the bricks that have become the unequal and unjust institutions of law enforcement, education, healthcare, housing, banking, and unemployment, just to name the easy ones, the big ones. The scripture tells us that we are to listen to the ones who have the marks of the empire. The wounds and bruises and scars, the case numbers and grave markers, the one who are so brutally burdened that they can't even catch their God-given breath. I was taught to think that the Spirit was given to people like me, that I was being sent out in the name of Christ. I'm not saying that's not true, but I see that differently today. What I see today, and only in part, is that the people who follow Jesus, the ones he's considered friends, really were not like me. They lived on the fringes of society. All along, the fear of the empire was that the Jesus movement would get too big to control, that the powers of the empire would no longer be able to control this group and protect their authority, their wealth, and their prestige. As hard as it is, we must remember that the Christian church has been very much embroiled in this white supremacy madness, speaking in the name of God, using scripture as a weapon of dehumanization and justification. It's shameful. That is not the God we worship and proclaim here. Jesus, the one who taught radical inclusion and opportunity, whose black body bore the marks of the empire, breathed on those who were his friends, and enlisted them as partners. This is who Jesus breathes on and bestows the Holy Spirit, his partners. The ones who have and have seen the marks of the empire are sent out for the works of restoration and redemption, balancing the scales of access and opportunity and justice. These different perspectives 
the black and brown voices, the Spanish-speaking voices, must be our teachers. Listen for the ones who have been sent out with the blessing of Christ and the Holy Spirit. We must follow. We have an example of what this can look like in a ministry that has claimed Gary and Vicki Kinsey for more than a year. And as you watch and listen to what Gary has to offer this morning, I invite you to listen for the spirit at work. And then we'll come back and say a little bit more. Have you ever felt at some point that a greater force might be giving you some needed help? Or when did you become aware that something greater than just luck or your own wisdom seemed to be on your side guiding and helping you? I'm not talking about winning a $100 scratch ticket here, but something that changes your life. So, this is my story. Vicki volunteered for a long time at the Hour Center, helping low-income people who needed lots of help. Both my daughter Valerie and my son-in-law Matt work with people who need some assistance. We wanted to make a meaningful contribution to people needing safe and affordable place to live. We agreed to sell our rentals and pool our resources to build a truly affordable building that was also a 21st century building using no fossil fuel. There are many working and retired people in Boulder County who can't afford any affordable housing. Even some people lucky enough to have a housing voucher can't find a place to live. This building has to have tiny apartments to be available to all. So here are our problems. This building must have, like I said, tiny apartments, smaller than allowed by city. This would require a code change. It would have to be an affordable lot, near a bus route, and convenient shopping. We need to have a property management company who understands our mission. It's not about getting maximum rent, it's about the people. We also need financing. We've talked to many financing companies in town who are not interested at all. In the beginning, I spent eight months working on these problems. Slowly, things begin to happen. First of all, Carol Mathis-Craft and some of the other people in church along with the in-between, spent two years working with the city, getting the MICA homes built. This was a major step for our project. The city reduced the minimum size of an apartment unit from 400 square feet down to 300. That is what we needed. I found a great management company during these eight months, Mike, who is also a real estate agent, has helped us many times through this entire project. Mike also led us to a banker who is 100% for this project. As I recall, I was waiting for something to happen in this eight months. It needed to start with the right piece of property. I had my eye on a great lot which met the requirement for location. It had one problem. It was not for sale. And even if it was, it looked like it could cost more than we could pay. 
I felt I just needed to wait. Besides, there were tasks at the church that I could work on. John Rosticus, John Parsons, Jim Bell, and myself, we were removing a large tree that was part of the new parking lot and Micah Homes. At noon, I suggested to John Rosticus that we go to Burger King for lunch because I had a two-for-one coupon. He agreed. I think I offered to pay. We sat at a window table, and I told him of the plans that I had in mind and pointed to a lot out the window. It was a great lot, but it was not for sale. We drove around the block to look at it, and as we approached, I was absolutely surprised. There was the greatest seven letters I'd ever seen in my life. It said, for sale. I could not believe it. It was just beyond my imagining. Things happened very quickly after this. I called my real estate man, Mike. He called the seller. We had to know the price, probably too much, but we had to know. Within an hour, a very long hour to me, he phoned back. Price was amazing, but it already had an offer. The property had been listed the day before. That's why we weren't aware of it. It was maybe not ours. But with Mike telling our story and our plans and offering a bit more than the, than the owner was asking, we got our contract accepted. As I think back, what just happened? I did not drive by this lot very often. I was even afraid to call and see about purchasing it because I figured it was way too expensive. Yes, I had eaten at Burger King several times in the last eight months and dreamed about getting that lot. We needed some help, or maybe a push. Why did we eat at Burger King that day? Without that coupon, we may not have even started this project. I can't prove this was the spirit involved in this project. The spirit is a mystery, and we believe it moves towards justice. Now, I'm honoring this spirit and the gift. It is my full intentions to make sure that there are 44 people who receive the, the true value of all of this. Now, in, in case you want to know how the story ends, we have some photos that shows where we are in construction. great story. Did you hear the spirit in that story? I invite you to use the chat function if you have a keyboard and you want to share 
what you heard the Spirit say or do or some of the characteristics connected with the Spirit in that story? You know, there were a few that jumped out to me, but I know I didn't catch them all. What I loved is that, you know, Gary mentioned that Vicky, <clears throat> Vicky got close to poverty. You know, Brian Stevenson says, if you want to understand something, you have to get close. She got close to it, and she understood, and they both understood, the need for safe and affordable housing. They heard that need. And they had rental properties that they sold. You know, it reminded me of that scripture that says, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor. That's a new way of looking at that scripture passage for me. What about you? I love that Micah Holmes and the work of Micah Holmes led to the possibility of this project by changing the housing codes of what's possible for rental spaces and the size of rental properties. I love that there's a connection to another ministry of this church. And I think combined between the challenges that Michael Holmes presented and the challenges that Gary did not go into detail about, I hope you heard the unrelenting effort. Gary's career was in working for the city around housing. I think he had something to do with like codes and inspection. and I mean, he knew his way around that system. And it still took him months and months and months of perseverance and persistence. But as he said, you know, this project would not let go of him. That's what God's call does. It claims us and it names us. Zero fossil fuels considering the partner of the environment, the ground from which that complex has been built. I'm sure there are things that I'm missing and I hope that you've captured them because this is the work that we're about now. We are about the work of listening for and looking for the spirit and being attentive to the ways that the Spirit claims us and calls us and asks us to persevere and to deal with the difficult. You know the expression, the difficult we must begin immediately. And what seems impossible, which is all the more necessary, is just going to take a little bit longer. So come, Holy Spirit, come. In the people who know and love you, in the voices that cry out for justice and the freedom to breathe deeply and to live fully. May your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here on earth.